0: Michael Bala felt stuck. He was feeling flat and with no verve at all. But then he got to clowning around, and he asks, What in my personal experience led me to clowning around? Simply stated, it was a deeply felt need to play. It was a deeply repressed need to play. Such a free exploration was unavailable to me from childhood onward. My internal defenses were firmly in place as anything more than a modicum of independence in thought and especially in behavior were experienced in my family as threats. One day while searching for something to do that might add some life to my life, I came across a notice for something called the Clown School. On this notice was a clown face whose expression was ambiguous. I intuitively knew I had found something my soul needed, and I entered into a study of clowning. During this time of study, I developed, discarded, modified, assembled, disassembled, and reassembled various clown personalities until a particular character emerged. His name is Buster. And here is Buster in action. On one occasion, Buster discovered toilet tissue to be an enchanted object not unlike a two-year-old child who discovers and takes such pleasure in unrolling such cottony paper from its dispenser. Buster found that toilet tissue, as a newly discovered object, could have a mind of its own. As with the enchantment of brooms by the curious but unconscious apprentice portrayed in the Sorcerer's Apprentice segment of the Disney film Fantasia, Buster found toilet tissue could move about on its own, When Buster picked up this new thing, a seemingly inert object, it took flight, soaring through the air with ease. Playfully flying from Buster's hands and alternately rolling around on the ground, his tissue explored space and place to Buster's engaged amazement. Yet, as always, the inevitable happened. Toilet tissue experienced the impingements of friction and gravity and the constrictions of being pursued and grabbed at then it suddenly and demonically changed its nature it began to wrap itself around his body as a boa constrictor might in his first magically charged meeting buster had an experience filled with wonder awe joy and delight followed by awareness of things having gone awry becoming filled with terror and finally the success of freeing himself through his own strength and ingenuity Buster came to experience the all-too-human emotions of joy and fear, of emerging consciousness, all this through clowning. Words of Michael Bala in an essay on clowning. Jennifer Hill and Chris Bodwich can be seen from time to time with red noses, big, round red noses that have everything to do with clowning. Jenny is a circus performer, a poet an arts educator and schooled fool who lived among us and created wonderfully for many years in Northeastern Pennsylvania and helped others create too. And she still does. Chris has been performing, teaching, and choreographing improvisational dance for over 30 years. And Chris and Jenny met a number of years ago in Clown Class. They are taking part in the 2022 Scranton Fringe Festival as the Foolbright Scholars, and they invite you to enter the Eight Spaces of Transformation and meet your guides, the Fulbright Scholars, to bewildered and confident, disgruntled and delighted pathfinders of stumbling revelation, as the Fulbright's map Wisdom, D-U-M-B, in this confusing and celebratory world filled with feelings and sensation, Audiences will explore playful movement, linguistic gymnastics, satire, absurdist surveys, and transcendent ridiculousness. In an eyelash flutter, it's a full-tilt emergence as you exit the tour, having unlearned everything and somehow knowing more. And that will be at the Space at Olive this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We had a chance to speak by phone with Jenny and Chris about their passion for this way of working, and we began with Chris. I was exposed briefly to some clown techniques,
1: I guess, years ago. My background is mostly in dance and modern dance and and choreography and dance improvisation, and I was with some other artists, choreographers, learning about some of these clowning techniques to create new material, like as as Jenny said, devise, sort of devising a piece of work from scratch with a group of people. And so I kind of learned about play, sort of the basics of clown is to first learn how to play and play with each other. And when I took those, I immediately fell in love with it. Like, this is what I love doing. I love playing and making up games and thinking how to use movement and sound and people in, in many different ways and objects and things like that. And then I started studying the clown and I, I loved, absolutely loved the vulnerability of it and the, the present momentness of it. You had to be very present with how you're feeling and your emotions in order to find the humor in being, being a clown, but also being human, because that's what the clown, the clown is like kind of showing everybody all the, the foibles and all the idiosyncrasies of being human. You know, they kind of bring it out. And so I loved that. And, I, and so I've been sort of studying that, but also playing with dance and improvisational movement with the clown. And then... More recently, I've been studying specifically emotion and stumbled upon a book called The Language of Emotions by this woman, Carla McLaren. And I, I just couldn't believe it when I read the book because I was like, oh, she's describing what clowns know. <laughs> so I've been sort of on that path now to find ways to play and, and listen to your emotions and play with them. And so now that's what I think Joni and I are kind of playing together, I don't know, to bring this stuff out there in the world.
2: <laughs> the emotional part of clowning is also what draws me to it, to the play, the emotion. Chris was just talking about how in being vulnerable and, and new to everything, right, that's the clown, they bring out the humor in situations, but also they can bring out the sadness in a situation or the absurdity of something, you know? So I'm, I'm very interested in that as well as a poet and, and the, the immediacy and, like, being, being in the moment and paying attention. Another really excellent lesson from clowning is just listening, just being present. Yeah, listening to others and listening to... Everything around you
1: from the objects and the movements from non humans. Yeah, and, and, and your inner listening, like what you're feeling. Your inner life. Yeah, yeah the
2: life, really. And one of the things I absolutely love about Chris, <laughs> I have this memory and I've brought it, I have so many good memories, but two, two images of you. Chris stick out and one is from a class one of the earlier classes where you and I think Rose were doing a scene together and it had become a little bit stagnant and at some point you just made the immediate decision to become the dying cow It was a possibility in the scene, you know, like it hadn't even right. been spoken. There wasn't a dying cow, but you became a dying cow. And then you were all of a sudden on the floor mooing. <laughs> and I, I feel like as a creative person, that the best thing that you can do is just find people whose intelligences and whose gifts are different than yours, but match in some way. And I feel like Chris and I have that.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I, I feel like because... I don't consider myself a, a writer in any way. I'm not a poet like Jenny is, and I do feel like she has such an amazing way of playing with words. And I, I do find that similar to playing with the body and, and movement and creating a poem through movement. So I think we're kind of balancing each other out. Like, I'm very excited to work with words, or I'm finding myself very drawn to them, but I don't really know how to structure.
2: <laughs> or even Yeah, take- yeah I'm, I'm always drawn to the movement, but I don't have the same background that you have. So I'm learning from you. And that's, yeah, it's like a it, good balance. It, it is. It's been, it's been a lot of fun in that way.
0: Well, I can imagine that people who are in your presence as you're playing, playing individually, playing together, that we get drawn in, in an emotional way by connecting with the scene that is unfolding, say, before us. We're not just spectators. You're going to want oh, to have us become part of what you're exploring so that we might undergo some sort of transformation, too. Yes.
2: Yeah. It's definitely an interactive,
0: immersive piece.
1: Yeah, I guess it's, it's the desire. I mean, we are definitely exploring words or movement, actions and, and emotions and what that means together. We want people to kind of move while they're sort of exploring the ideas of what emotions can do and how they can move. So sometimes we're embodying the actions of emotions by just being our characters in certain situations and playing. But then we kind of invite people that are there to to play as well. And see if anything bubbles up for them, if, if any emotions which are moving up to kind of help them explore the space, whether it's like they're nervous and their fear is asking them to pay attention so that they can play this game. Or maybe a little bit of sadness arises because they, they have to let go of, of doing something that they wanted to do that they can't do. I mean, that's what we're working out. We're trying to figure all that out. So, it's, yeah, I think they're going to have some sort of transformation, and they're going to act, literally physically move from one
2: space to the other in one big room. The structure of this show came from, actually, an idea that I was playing with when I was taking a course in online interactive theater and how to structure and create theatrical productions for for Zoom and platforms like Zoom. And we learned in that course about all kinds of things, the dynamics of play and, you know, like how to set up a a game. And and I kept playing with the idea of, I sort of brought over this idea of the stages of life into, into that class. And so I had a lot of notes on that and I shared it with some people and other clown friends and, and, when Chris and I were working together, we met maybe once a week to, to play and devise. And we knew we wanted to create a show together. And we had a lot of ideas, but nothing was really coalescing. And one weekend when we were at her house, when Chris and I work at her house, we work in her basement. And, and that room has some large pieces of paper with emotion words and, and movement verbs on them. And so we were working with those words and moving with them and playing. And, and that's when I thought, hey, the idea of the stages of life actually, you know, I brought it up to Chris. I was like, what if we did this structure where each space is a different stage of life? So there's birth and there's childhood and there's adolescence and there's adulthood and there's middle age, and we go through eight of these stages, and that's kind of how we we hung the idea on that, and we've been shaping those spaces now and refining them and finding new, new ideas in them.
1: And, yeah, and then really tying in, hopefully, getting it across through our play and what emotions are kind of flowing during these stages <laughs> are always there as sort of these helpers, like inner helpers to help us move through them, these stages. I guess we're envisioning, we're still sort of finishing it, but moving to the final stage, which might be death, but it also might, that might be more of a, a metaphor for something in your life so that you can start over again and right. go back to birth.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's not necessarily the death of the self, the death of an idea or just letting go of something, what is something that you you know need to let go of. Yeah, and almost like how you can almost go back to being, going back to
1: starting over from birth to childhood through play, through all these different ways of exploring. So it sounds really deep, but it's still, it's really silly, too.
2: (laughs) It's very lighthearted, and we laugh a lot when we are creating together, find ourselves wrapped up in large pieces of fabric or jumping over a quad cane <laughs> that we've, yeah. we've had a lot of, like, very ridiculous moments in the barn and in the basement and outside. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We,
1: we've taken a lot of our, our solo slang, our own personal explorations, and even things that we filmed ourselves doing <laughs> sort of spontaneously or thinking about some of the things we've talked about, and we've realized that a lot of it has informed this work. You know, it was like we were already making the work, when we didn't even know we were making it.
2: And that feels so good. That's like mm. the magic of, that's the magic of art, I think, all of that stuff informing. Yeah. And you're not being even aware of it. Yeah, just living your life is is preparing you for the creation, or you are
1: creating. Yeah.
0: Is there a sense that what you are doing right now, though it is part of a longstanding tradition, is speaking to a need we might have, maybe especially now coming out of COVID? Mm. Mm.
1: Wow, yeah, I think so.
0: In some ways,
1: I mean, we're definitely trying to connect people in a real physical way with each other, but also with themselves. And that I feel like the, the isolation and, you know, being apart from people and, and just what's happening in the world politically, it's sort of this binary way of thinking has changed how we understand ourselves and each other. So I'm hoping that just this play and lightness with each other is some sort of way back to how we can connect. What were you
2: going to yeah. say, Jenny? Well, the same. The same. I mean, I keep coming back to how important it is to connect, and we worked so hard during COVID when we couldn't be together to find ways to connect. I mean, we're all yeah. using Zoom now as a way to have meetings and stuff, and in ways that we weren't using it before. You know, we're using it for theater, and yeah, now that we're kind of coming back to being together, I think my hope for the show is that people. Feel the lightheartedness of play in it and can connect with each other in the space through play and discovery. And and of course, you know, feel. <laughs> yeah, feel. <laughs> to feel, you know, I feel like it's very easy to shut off or, you know, we, we shut a lot of our emotions off or try to by watching television or leaning into our phones way too long, browsing Instagram or scrolling news or whatever. And also, we're always
1: being told how to feel about things. And I, I kind of always think we're creating a space to not judge how you feel in, in a light, playful way, to kind of see if you can welcome that part of you. And I think people need that. <laughs> they do, yeah, yeah.
0: We all need it. You'll be doing this a number of times as part of Scranton Fringe do you like to keep it so that it's intimate and in terms of numbers of people who might be taking part in each iteration of this experience?
2: Yes. Yeah, we, we limited it to the, the max is 20. The space is part of that. More than 20 would be, I think, overwhelming for the audience. You know, there'd be less of a a chance for people to make some connections with each other. So we're going for that kind of intimate black box, I guess, size audience. Smaller than that.
1: Yeah, I would say even smaller than that. But I think we're also going to go into the space and really going to be sort of creating the space. And I almost feel like that's part
2: of the piece. It will be a clown house. That's yeah. what it will
0: be. Did you use the word serious along the way? You're having fun and it's playing, but there is a term, serious play, that it's wonderful and delightful in the moment and you're in the moment, but it's real in a, an important way. hmm Yeah, I think so, definitely. And how we interact with each other, what we feel,
2: what we're
1: um, discovering about ourselves, I think a lot can happen through play.
2: Yeah, I always feel like after our clowning experiences, you know, whether we're devising together or if it's a class that we've taken or like even if you go see a really good movie (laughs) or, uh, you know, you go to a beautiful exhibit or something, you know, you're in the moment and you have the experience and you might not fully recognize the whole experience that you've had. So you wake up the next day and, and you'll have glimmers of... Like a realization, oh, you know, this connects to this in my life. Oh, I was really drawn to this because of that. And that's, for me, when I create something, one of my bigger hopes is that the experience will be a good experience, whether that's writing a poem or building a show or whatever, but that it lingers, that it has lasting effects, that there's like this percolation that happens. Mm -hmm. I hope our audience leaves feeling lighter Maybe a little confused, too. And, you know, the next day they have an aha moment. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like we're... I mean, because both
1: of us have backgrounds in working in education, in the arts, bringing arts to schools. I'm not interested in really, like, driving something into people so that they know something. They can say, I got it, and check it off. It's more like having this experience is going to kind of... Yeah, like you said, I think it's linger, kind of stay with them and maybe pop up at other times in their life. Maybe what we do or the images they see, you know, so they have these other little moments of, oh, that's interesting. (laughs) Now, where will
0: we find you during Fringe and when? We will be at the Space at Olive and
2: our first show is Thursday, October 6th at 8 o'clock. And then we have another 8 o'clock show Friday, October 7th. And then we have two Saturday shows, October eighth at three and five p.m. And we're really, really looking forward to to visiting Scranton and being a part of the Fringe this year.
0: Jennifer Hill and Chris Bodwich, who are taking part in the 2022 Scranton Fringe Festival as the Fulbright Scholars, F-O-O-L. Fulbright Scholars inviting us to their One of a Kind program titled Eight Spaces of Transformation, Thursday at 8 p.m., Friday also at 8 p.m., Saturday, October 8th at 3 and 5 p.m. Again, at the Space at Olive, 541 Wyoming Avenue in Scranton. For more information on the web, scrantonfringe.org, scrantonfringe.org. It's the Fulbright Scholars, and they'll be presenting the eight spaces of transformation at the Space at Olive, 541 Wyoming Avenue in Scranton, this Thursday, October 6th at 8, and Friday, October 7th, also at 8, Saturday at 3 and 5, part of the 2022 Scranton Fringe Festival. For more information on the festival and this particular program, scrantonfringe.org, scrantonfringe.org.